Welcome to the Jerry Lolo Show here on Podcast One. Thank you so much for the download. Please feel free to subscribe, leave reviews, follow us on Twitter at Lawler Show. Follow my co-host at Jerry Lawler. It is a week of Memphis tribute shows uh, as they we had uh, an AEW one that we're going to talk talk about uh, and have Randy Hales come on later. But first, uh, I have Jerry Lawler and Bert Prentice on the line talking about a show coming to Jackson on January 11th. You know, um, there's been a lot of wrestling in and around the Mid-South and the Memphis area. Uh, of course, SmackDown was here. We want to talk a little bit later on about uh, SmackDown being in Memphis. As we're recording this, last night the AEW uh, group was down at the Lander Center right in South Haven. And I'm going to talk about the fact that uh, some very special guests involving the AEW made an appearance at my club down on Beale Street and at my restaurant out on Germantown Parkway. And we'll tell you who all that was and what all went on there. Uh, but as you mentioned, we also have, oh, and NXT, of course, is coming uh, this month also in Memphis uh, at uh, at Minglewood Hall. So big wrestling month this month in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. But uh, maybe one of the biggest shows that I can remember is coming to Jackson, Tennessee, which is just a hop, skip, and a jump right up Interstate 40 from Memphis. It's so great. I love going to Jackson, Tennessee, because they have the – it's like going back into the Mid-South Coliseum. It's just a little bit of a miniature version of the Mid-South Coliseum, made with the exact same plans. looks exactly like the Coliseum. It's, I think it will seat about 8,000 people rather than 12,000 at the Mid-South Coliseum seated. But um, it's, it's, it's like a homecoming every time we go there. And we've got a big show. Uh, involving a lot of legends of uh, Memphis wrestling and the USA wrestling and, and none other than the illustrious Burt Prentice who has r- wrestled and, and has managed and everything for our Tennessee territory for years and now he's put on a different hat he's, he's got the promotion hat on and he, he's been running different cities and wrestling in Nashville and Jackson and all over the heck Kentucky, Arkansas, Mississippi Memphis and Tennessee and and uh, you damn a town Burt Prentice has probably promoted a wrestling show there and Burt how are you doing today? I'm doing good King thank you very much where are you at this moment, and what part of the world are you I'm in today? I'm in Nashville. I'm actually uh, setting up uh, the ring for a show tonight in Nashville. We run Nashville every Thursday night at a place called the Little Hunk of Brewing Company. And that cocoa beware is here tonight. But this thing has just grown. Plus, you did the inaugural show here. I sure did. But this thing just packs out every Thursday night. Well, that's awesome. This is basically the Omen Arena, very historic arena in Jackson. City has built... I wanted to recognize a lot of the unsung heroes like Jerry Calhoun or Don Bass. Of course, you and Superstar Bill Dundee are at the top of the list. But Bill Hickerson will be there and just all sorts of other, Bob Orton Jr., people that have played the building years ago but just never seem to get a lot of credit here locally. Yeah, well, hang on. Let's go back and, and mention some of those names because, oh, my gosh, there wasn't any bigger name ever in the Tennessee Territory and in Memphis than Phil Hickerson. My gosh, Phil Hickerson teamed with uh, Dennis Condry. Phil Hickerson teamed with Tojo Yamamoto. Uh, and, again, of course, he was a big singles wrestler. And, and Phil Hickerson was uh, – heck, I teamed with Phil Hickerson several times. But Phil was one of the biggest names ever, and he's going to be there this, this Saturday night, right? He's going to be there. We're honoring the Gilbert family. You mentioned Debbie Combs, who uh, her her mother was very, very famous. I mean, she was wrestling in her heyday back 
when I very first started, and I and, and um, Cora Combs, yeah. absolutely, and I would never forget Jackie would when when Jackie Fargo would let me ride with him to one of the one of the towns that Cora was wrestling on. He would tell me, "Now, now don't be nervous, but you're going to have to dress in the same dressing room as Cora Combs tonight." And I go, "Oh no, no, I can't do that. What are you trying to do to me?" And of course, they, they they never made me, but they always acted like I was going to have to dress in with the with the female grapplers on the on the show. But Cora was great; she was wonderful, and of course, heck, Debbie's uh. Debbie's been around the business for a long, long time herself, hasn't she? She sure has. George Goulas will be there. George Goulas is going to be there? The son of the yeah. famous Nick Goulas is going to be in Jackson? Put wow. George in the hall, and it'll be an incredible night. Okay, Bert, so we just wanted to get a plug in there for what's coming up this Saturday night. I'll see you up there. And how, didn't, how on earth did you ever drag up? Where just, no pun intended. The Dragon Master. Who found him? Uh, well, the Dragon Master's trying to get some revenge on you, but man, that that guy's a monster, seven foot tall. You remember him well. Well, surely this can't be the same. I thought I, I thought I slayed that dragon a long time ago. <laughs> but, you did. Uh, I think it's his brother. <laughs> it's his it's his seven foot tall brother. Oh, I'm looking really forward to that. You. Jerry, he's big as a house. Nothing like seeing Jerry Lawler at Omen Arena, I promise you. And you do. You step back in time like Mid-South California. You really do. Yeah, well, we're really looking forward to it. And Bob Orton Jr. is going to be there live and in person, right? Yeah, yeah. Father Randy Orton. Tony Falk, uh, I see. Yes. Tony Falk will Tony be there. Tony Falk, yeah. And, of course, Jerry Calhoun. I'm, man, this is going to be Jerry good. Jerry Calhoun. Michael, Michael Pott is going to be uh, there. Yeah, Mike Rapata is going in, yeah, three-time NWA world champion. Well, this is going to be a great night. It's a, it's a great group of guys. It just really is. Awesome. Of course, superstar Bill Dundee will be there. Superstar Bill Dundee, for some reason, he did not make it to the AEW show in South Haven, and we're going to talk about that in a little while. And, Bert, I know you probably don't realize why he didn't make it, but I may tell you later on, okay? I think I do know why, but, yeah, <laughs> are you really going to tell the truth? Nah, probably not. I may fudge on it. Okay. Yeah. Because okay. I have kept it as, I have kept it to myself. Maybe if you wanted anyone to know, they'd tell. But yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, that'd be awesome if you did, Jerry, because you obviously got it from the authority. <laughs> You're right. Okay, Bert, we'll let yeah. you go. Have a good show tonight in Nashville, and we'll see hey, you in hey, Jackson. Thank you so much for all you do for Memphis Wrestling and the whole state of Tennessee. He's still the king, ladies and gentlemen, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> all Let's right. plug you coming to Covington and South Fulton and oh my gosh, and, uh, all over the area for the big uh, uh, thing you do every year in March, and, and you never get no credit for this, but you headline it every year for the Paul Perkins Child Abuse Center. I mean, you raise more money for them in one month. You you never talk about it, but I mean, I want people to know that you're out there and, and you're really you're really helping a lot of the charity. I thank you, and we'll see you Saturday. That's Saturday, January the 11th. That's coming up right away, uh, 7 o'clock, the Omen Arena in Jackson, Tennessee, right? Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, let me give that one last plug here, because this is fun. It's uh, Saturday, January 11th, 7 p.m. at the Omen Arena. We got people like you, Bill Dundee, the Gilbert family's being honored. We mentioned Debbie Combs, George Goulas, Tony Falk, Bob Orton Jr., Phil Hickerson, Carl Fergie. Uh, and then honoring, uh, oh, also Jerry Calhoun and people like Mark James. Big event. It's going to be fun. David Milligan, David Milligan, our belt man. What's it like for you when you get to just see everybody from the old days? Like, I wish I could, I wish I could see everybody from college like that. Right, exactly. It does make it a special night. You know, a lot of times, uh, um, <laughs> like, I'll tell you the truth. I was, you know, uh, after the AEW show, Good old Jim Ross dropped by the club down on Beale Street. And, and, you know, JR and I were just always honest with each other. We just say it and tell it like it is. And I said, how was the show tonight? 
And he just looked at me and said, just another wrestling show. And that's, you know, that's the way it becomes when you do it day in and day out and week in and week out and a year in and year out like JR and I have done. But uh, that's why a show like this is special because, hey, I get to see a whole bunch of guys that you don't see. Heck, some of them maybe in in years. It's always great to see Phil Hickerson, uh, Tony Falk. Oh, gosh, a lot, a lot of these guys, go, you know, Debbie Combs, it's going to be great. And then Bob Orton Jr., George Goulas. I mean, all of these names on here, you know, guys that I grew up with in, in the business. And, and to get them all back together again is going to be awesome. I love Phil Hickerson. I don't think he gets enough credit. To me, he's no. like so Memphis wrestling and that he wasn't, you know, the, the most aesthetically New York looking guy, but just so entertaining in the mic, uh, in the ring, just fantastic. I'll tell you a little story about Phil uh, Phil and I, when we were both getting started, we would get booked in the little small towns. Um, and, and at that time, Dyersburg, Tennessee was a little small town and they had a little, oh, I had so many, so many different things happening in this little arena. I think it was, I'm not sure if it was like an, I don't even believe it was big enough for American Legion, uh, building. It wasn't that. It was some, for some reason, there's this very small building. It was, never forget, it was right next door to a, a Dairy Queen. And then they had this little building that it just had, I mean, I don't even know how the fire marshal let them do it. It had one entrance, just one front door. You'd go in that little front door. And as soon as you get in there, there would be a little stand where you'd buy your ticket. And then right next to that was just like a little, oh, a little countertop where you could buy some popcorn or hot dog or, you know, that was the little concessionary. And it was a countertop about, probably not even as big as most people have in their kitchen nowadays. And so you did that, you turned left, you bought your little concession, and then you went right around the corner to your right, and it opened up into, I mean, it seemed like it opened up into a big arena, but no, it was just a little small, uh, a little small building, but it had, it had bleachers on all four sides, and it just had that one entrance into the building there. Uh, and, and like I said, today, nobody would be allowed to put a show and put a bunch of people in a building like that had been too big of a fire hazard. But uh, one, one night, they would get so hot in that building in the summertime, they had no air. And so what they would do, they had one of those big, Oh, a big, you know, just a big oscillating fan that was on a uh, like a pedestal thing that would maybe about six feet tall. And when once everybody got inside the building, they would pull that fan over right in the doorway to blow the air right in there to get any kind of just any kind of uh, stream of air going into the building. It was so hot and and it kind of pulled the air from the from the front door that they would leave open. And then just behind that were two little small dressing rooms where the wrestlers dressed. Never forget one night. Sam and I were sitting in our locker room. We're burning up. The matches are going on out in out in the arena. And all of a sudden, I'm going through my bag, and this policeman friend of ours that we had met somewhere in Nashville or somewhere, he had given us, I think he gave it to Sam, actually, but he gave us a can of mace, right? And so looking through my bag, putting my boots on, all of a sudden, I see this can of mace. I looked at Sam, and I said, man, what would happen if I stood behind this fan and Sprayed a couple of sprays of his face, right? And Sam said, you ain't got the balls to do that. And I said, oh, really? So here I pulled the I pulled the can of mace. I put it in my pocket. And I step outside the dressing room door. And the people are yelling and screaming out there. I look around and nobody's looking at me. So I raise up that can of mace and I start spraying it right into that fan, right? And that fan just shoots it right out into the arena. I have no idea what kind of effect it would do, but. 
<laughs> I run back into the dressing room, shut the door, and next thing you hear is like a it's like a riot going on. Oh my gosh! Every person in that building had to run out of the. First of all, they had to run towards. They didn't realize they were running towards where the mace was coming from, but they all ran to the exit that room and and ran right past the fan. It emptied the whole building out. Talk about killing a town. It, well, it killed my career. I got fired. <laughs> Nick Lewis, when Nick Lewis heard about it the next day, I got my notice. I got fired. But it only lasted for like a week. They, they hired me back. But I got off the subject because my other favorite story in that same arena, dressing one night, and Phil Hickerson is sitting there. And he's a big old guy. You know, just he and I both just getting started, a couple of punks. And uh, the Phil was wrestling with a mask on. Right. And and I forget who he and he had wrestled up there. I mean, like I said, this was just a little town that they would throw the young guys in. I mean, you'd make a you'd lucky if you made a twenty five dollar payoff because there was nobody there. Oh, I mean, I mean, even if it was full, there wasn't that, that many people, you know, and, and we were just getting started. So we'd be on the opening match or whatever. So Phil's wrestling with a mask on and he's been there a few weeks and working some kind of program with somebody. And they had built it all the way up to where Phil was had his mask at stake in this match there in Dyersburg against the other guy's hair. Right. And so this is, that was like a big deal for, for Dyersburg. So we're sitting there getting ready. Phil's getting ready to go out for his match. And I looked down and he's getting his mask put on. And I sat and had to see that Phil had like four masks in his, in his bag. He had different colors, either red or white, black one, blue one. And I said, you know what would be funny, Phil? And he said, what? And I said, at the end of this match, when, if, you know, when you have to unmask, if you wore two masks out there, and of course you, you know, you don't want to unmask, you don't want to unmask, you don't want to take your mask off. And I said, it says on the poster, all you have to do is unmask, right? And so I said, you wear two masks out there. And finally, when they get you back up against the wall and they say, all right, you got to take the mask off. You take off one mask and you still got another mask underneath there. And I said, they'll go crazy. And he said, oh, my gosh, that's a great idea, right? And so that's exactly what he does. He goes out there. He wrestles the match with two masks. The other guy finally wins, and they're telling Phil, yeah, take that mask off. Take the mask off. So he looks around, and he's and he's standing in the ring, and he rips the top mask off, and there he has another mask on. And I'm telling you, the people went nuts. And so I, when we knew they were going to, he was going to have to take the other one off eventually, but he made it like he was going to leave the ring. With the with the other mask on, right? So people are screaming, they're hollering, they say we got screwed and all this kind of stuff. And so he steps out of the ring, he steps down these two old wooden steps, and there was a little old man at ringside on crutches. And this little guy, it wasn't it wasn't believe it or not, the metal crutches that they have nowadays are softer and will bend more easily than the old wooden crutches that the used people used to use, right? And this guy had a pair of wooden crutches, and Phil was turned around, and as Phil turned around, this man dropped one of his crutches and swung the other crutch like swinging a baseball bat, and he hit Phil right in the nose. I mean, as hard as he could. It's blood splattered. It broke Phil's nose so bad. <laughs> it was horrible. And to this day, 
it's never they could never even get it set back right uh, after that. It was and he still when you look at Phil, you can see that he's got a jacked up nose from that night in Dyersburg. Well, I came up with the brilliant idea for him to wear two masks. And so, uh, yeah, that guy swung, hit him right in the face, broke his nose. He had to go to the hospital and stay in the hospital a couple of days with the with the broken nose. It was horrible. But anyway, every time I see Phil, I remind him of that story or either he reminds me of it. You emptied an arena of fans with mace and you got yes. Phil Nickerson's nose broken. All in Dyersburg, yeah. <laughs> we'll be back in a moment on The Jerry Lawler Show. What's up, Brian Deegan here. I'm excited to bring you our podcast, The Deegans, that will be every Wednesday on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. We'll be covering many subjects such as racing, family, how we stay together, how we thrive as a family. So I think it's exciting. We're going to cover all those subjects and many more. Be sure you guys check out our new podcast, The Deegans, airing every Wednesday on Podcast One and on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. All hail the king. It's the Jerry Lawler Show. We talked about the fact that uh, they, the AEW people did a special tribute to Memphis Wrestling. And uh, one of the guests, one of the people, of course, my son, Kevin, was there to kind of represent Brian Christopher, my other son. And and uh, one of the a couple of the Memphis, you know, they had ex-Memphis wrestling stars like handsome Jimmy Valiant was there and and the Rock and Roll Express was there. Doug Gilbert was there. Who Austin Idol? I can't believe Austin Idol showed up. But one of, and, and then of course Shane Russell was there, and Dave Brown was there, and our, one of the illustrious guests was the man that's responsible for Power Pro Wrestling. None other than Randy Hales was there, and we have Randy Hales with us now, right, Randy? Right, King, and I have a funny story that I probably shouldn't tell about Austin Idol. Do you want me to tell the story? Well, did it involve last night? Yes, it did. I will tell it, baby. I can't wait to hear it. All right. It's great. Well, we did the meet and greet. It went fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. People loved all of us. It was now, great. What, what time did the meet and greet start? The meet and greet started about, I would say, 5.15. Okay. So it, it went good and we had everybody there. It was so fun. It was the most organized and it was kind of rush the people. The first 200 people, they put them in a line, and then they come in, and they they would either stand in front of us or behind us, and uh, they would give uh, the guard or the whoever they were their phone, take a, a picture, and and then they're gone. And Idol was so funny. This is not the real funny thing, but real funny. That if somebody was right uh, in front of him, knelt down, he would put them in a a reverse face lock or pull their hair or all kinds of things. He, what? He would. It was, it was so fun. You mean funny. taking, so to take a picture with him, he had to get him in a, some kind of wrestling hold. Yes. And he's the only one that did that. We shook their hands and he attacked them. You know, <laughs> so that was funny. Well, you know how idle is and it's happened to you. It's happened to me and Power Pro happened to you a hundred times. You know how idle uh, is and, uh, there was a situation where uh, he was going to be involved later on, sitting in the audience and kind of having to heal, uh, fuss at all the Memphis legends. No physical activity, but that's what it was supposed to be. We're getting everybody together, and at the point, uh, they came, we can't find Idol. We can't find 
title. Dave Brown and several other people <laughs> said at that point, he's gone. And then they told the, the, the everybody, everybody was saying, he's gone. Well, he's just gone. I said, no. He's not gone. He's lost. I said, Brandon, go go in that section up in the bleachers and see if you can find him. Because I was worried about that as well. And I told Idol, I said, Austin, don't think of this as a one-shot deal. Because I was a little fearful that, that he might not want to do that because it wasn't like he was winning a world champion. He was just basically involved in one of their guys. So I was a little worried about it. And I also told him facts. I said, Austin, don't think of this as a one-time shot. They would like to do this if this is successful and they're happy uh, with the talent and everything that goes on. They want to do this in Georgia. And he was over in Georgia, Pensacola, just different people. Because I had that fear that he would leave. You get his money and they they pay me my money. Well, hang, hang, on, hang on, Randy. Let me just say, let me interrupt because we didn't really go over it, But you're right. That, that's the thing about Austin Idol and our Tennessee territory. Love the guy, drew tons of money with him, but on occasion, <laughs> uh, on occasion, Austin will either no show you, or once he gets there, he'll kind of, he has been known to in the past, ask for more money than he originally agreed to, to work for. But uh, uh, the main thing was that I always worried about Austin was if you had him booked and then you advertise him. Would he actually get on that plane and make the trip and be there? You know, so you know where that was that? Had that had he was Brandon found him up in the bleachers watching. He he didn't know it was time for it, so he went and did it, and he was as nice as possible. But you know, the program me and you had in, in Power Pro Wrestling, if you remember, King, it started because of Idol. We did the first Power Pro show. He was fine. Second, I, I worked a return, and he was supposed to come back against Dundee. He didn't. I was supposed to pick him up on Friday at the airport. He didn't get on the plane. So I said, King, I said, King, go out with me because uh, I got to make this uh, announcement. I said, just were you just kind of fussing at me for messing with him in the first place? And you said, Randy, I love you to death, but I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. And, th- and then – then the fans turned on me immediately, just started booing me, terrible. And we weren't playing. It wasn't planned. That's the thing. I was the booker. You were the king. And so, obviously, we didn't have to, have to ask anybody if we could do that. We completely changed directions. We didn't know the people would boo me. But so uh, I said something smart, Marty, back to you, and you immediately knew what I was doing. And then we did six months. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. But so, anyway – Back to Ido, he was not lost. He was he was just, I mean, he hadn't left. He was somewhere, and he didn't know it was time for him to do it. What did they have him do? Uh, all the wrestlers, uh, I don't think Kevin was out there for, for that, but all the wrestlers sat on the front row, and one of their heels, MJF. So so he was walking up and, and like, to fans and tearing posters, and then he just uh, just uh, was insulting the legends, and they just, you know, Valiant was right by Idol, I think, and, and it, it was just a good, okay deal. But I thought Idol, since he wasn't kicking the guys rear end, that he wouldn't like it. So it, it was uh, fine, and they fired up, and the people were with them. So, so it ended up okay, but everybody but me thought Idol had flown the coop, and Dave was telling everybody the story. I'm sure you've heard this story. He went over in a battle royal in Georgia. Do you know the story I'm telling? Oh, yeah, where he took off with a check, right? Yeah, they. We used to write kayfabe on the on the checks, right? And they wrote 
uh, Austin Idol. Now, can you explain to me how Austin Idol was able <laughs> uh, to cash that check? Because that's not his real name. <laughs> yeah, Fred Ward. That was a uh, Fred Ward was the promoter at that at that show wherever it was down somewhere in Georgia. And yeah, you know, we used to have a ten thousand. I don't forget how many thousand dollar battle royal it was. And when it was over, Austin got the check and he put it in his pocket. I guess he went the next day with the check and cashed it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Classic story. Yeah, he was he was great. Well, how was he when you talked to him? Was he was he good? Oh, he was fantastic. Everybody, the legends. It was great to see everybody. And Austin was so funny. I ended up having uh, pictures sent to me. Brandon had pictures taken. A lot of people did. But anyway, I, he asked for pictures to be sent to him, and we did that. He he was fantastic. He was laid back. There's talent, or basically a, agents and the veteran guys, like Diamond Dallas Page he talked to, Dean Malenko, you know, just Arn Anderson. So he, he had a blast, and, uh, you know, he didn't know what to expect at all, but, uh, you know, he, he had a lot of fun, as we as did we all. And none of us had, had – I didn't have a clue. I was a little nervous going in, but I'm glad I did it. Well, that's awesome. That's really good. I'm glad you did it too. Uh, and, and you did, uh, you know, we talked beforehand and you, when they first contacted you and, uh, I said, well, heck, man, it's a nice payoff. They gave everybody a nice little payoff. And, uh, why would you, why would you say no to that? You know, the deal and, uh, guys, if you, you want to actually this part, what I'm fixing to stay, feel free to. <laughs> but one thing, King, one thing, King is it was, the thing is great to me and I called. Memphis, since 1971, has been Jerry Lawler's town, and I was not going to do that without talking to you. And I have other irons in the fire, and, you know, I didn't want anybody mad, but I certainly didn't want you mad, so I was the first person to call you. And I think it's fair to say, or it's all right to say, when uh, Dave Brown, you know, had, be honest with you, he didn't keep up with wrestling. He had uh, had never heard of uh, AEW wrestling he just doesn't watch wrestling so but he he told me he he said uh said well jerry will be there won't he i said no <laughs> and he got mad he got mad he said well those son of, i won't work with not having all i said dave he cannot do it i right. said it's not that they don't want him i said it's business and then when i told him that i called and asked your permission <laughs> you know uh <laughs> and got and got your blessing uh and so dave me and uh, I'll be honest here, Doug Gilbert. You know, it just even though Memphis wrestling's been uh, gone since 2001, it doesn't feel right to a lot of us to be on a, a event in <laughs> Memphis area that you're not on. And uh, was there anybody else besides the names I announced that reached out to you? Let's see. Of course, Doug Gilbert did, uh, and you. Yeah, and, and I and I talked to Dave beforehand. You know, we had we had lunch last Thursday. No, uh, of course Kevin talked to me. But it's like I explained to you guys. There may be. I'm sure there are some feelings that have been hurt over these. Uh, you know, over the two companies working against each other. But uh, I really don't think, honestly, being around you know Vince and around the WWE, there's no feeling whatsoever where they're sitting around going, 
oh my gosh, whoa, what is what is AEW doing? What are they doing now? Is it, or do we have to be worried about them? Vince and the WWE are so concentrating on what they do, they're not worried about them. As a matter of fact, I, I think I think it's been healthy for everybody concerned that there is another place for wrestlers to uh, to work if they if they're not with WWE. I think also the fact that without a doubt, the fact that AEW came along. That's why NXT got on network TV. It's absolutely great for the business, and I like my payoff the other day. I wanted to say this to uh, to you and and your reaction to that. I'll tell you a hell of a funny story. I met Tony Khan for the very first time. He, I didn't know what he looked like. He knew me, you know, because he's watched a lot of Memphis wrestling. But then this could have got me trouble in uh, 95 or 96 because you know how we were in 95 or 96 about – being open to the fans. Well, back in the old prodigy days, and Sean, I haven't told you this story either. It just happened last night. Back in the prodigy days, Tony Khan told me last night, said, first time, say, Randy, do you remember me reaching out to you on prodigy back in like 95 or 96? I said, no. He said, I was in college and I wrote a television show and I knew you were booking Memphis and I liked your stuff. And I sent it to you and uh, wanted your thoughts on it and wanted your input on it. And I and when he told me that, I thought, oh, my God, a fan reaching out to me like that, I probably cussed him. You know, that was my, that's, that was my thought. And so I, I said, well, Tony, was I a prick to you? And I was worried. He'd say, yes. I thought, I'm not going to get this payoff. But he he said, oh, said, he said you were very nice. You put it over, and you had two or three suggestions, which I asked for. He said, you were great, and I appreciate it very much. Then he started talking stuff. Heck, you know how – would you consider me a historian of Memphis Wrestling King? Oh, yeah, yeah. He knew more than me on dates and stuff. I mean, it's a dang, dang is, thing. He said – I asked him his three most favorite – Moments in Memphis wrestling, he and he gave me a little more of that. He said Kaufman lost switch when real bloody thing on Memphis TV, and then he said the Bill and Buddy show. So he just and he told me dates on all of them. I couldn't have saved my life or your life either for that. I just thought it was complimentary that he liked what we did. Well, he showed up. Tony Khan came to my bar down on Beale Street the night before the show. He came on Tuesday night. With a bunch of his talent, the guy that's the uh, announcer, the um, Excalibur. You know, I'm the worst worst on remembering people's names, but uh, you know, the the little guy from uh, that's from South Haven. He was Marco. There. Marco was there, and a couple other guys, and of course Tony Khan himself. It was the exact same thing. All he wanted to talk about was Memphis wrestling tapes. If he traded tapes or whatever, but he just told me the same story that you did. What a fan he was, and he, he he's asking me about different things that, quite frankly, he had a better memory of than I did, but especially wanted to know about how on earth did I get uh, run over by Eddie Gilbert and Tom <laughs> and Doug Gilbert and survive. He said, I just, I said, I just was, you know, in shock about that. And he wanted me to tell him about how the police were called to the, to the building and everything. But then, uh, uh, and yeah, he was just, you know, he was as nice and gracious as he could be. He didn't really ever, uh, he didn't really ever talk about the business, so to speak. Then we got off on football because, you know, I started asking him stuff about the football and I'm talking about my Browns and a head coach. And oh my gosh, then I found out that he had such a tie in with, with the Cleveland Browns. Our last general manager before John Dorsey was this guy named Sashi. He used to be the lawyer 
of all things. He used to be the lawyer for Tony Khan. Tony Khan got him the job in, in uh, Cleveland as their lawyer. And then he moved up to be the general manager of the team. And, uh, and I asked him, I said, well, I said, now I think they're going to go and, and do a little more stuff with the analytical side because believe it or not, the guy that works, he works right now for the Browns. They made a movie called Moneyball about this guy and he's an analytical guy and he used to work for the Oakland A's and through all the, the statistics and analytics, he didn't really know crap about the game. He could just look at statistics and, and, and analyze things and tell them, look, this guy here, you could get for $50,000 a year, and he gets on base more times than this guy here that you're paying $5 million to. And he, they finally they put together a team in, in Oakland, and they won the World Series with him. So now uh, this that's real guy that they made the movie about works for the Cleveland Browns. And I'm, exp- I'm explaining this to Tony Khan, and all of a sudden he cuts me off, and he says, yeah, I got him the job – with Cleveland, and he said, I do that same, I, that's my position with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm the analytical guy for the Jacksonville Jaguars now. So it was, uh, you know, it was crazy to hear him talk all about, all about that sort of stuff, you know, but, uh, he, he was, uh, like you say, that, that's where his memory and, and knowing all the facts and figures about everything and comes from. The guy's got an amazing mind and he, he did remember everything about Memphis wrestling. It was unreal. You know, um, Sean, help me on this, and, and King, you probably certainly know more. I know about football in America, but what they do in England, what's the name of the team? He's a general manager and owner. What's the name of that team, Sean? Oh, gosh, Fulham, right? Fulham? Yeah, yeah. It's a big one of the top soccer teams in England they own. So it's soccer, not football, right? Well, they call it football over there. Yeah, it's not our type of football. It's soccer. Yeah, and so that sort of thing. You know, I I went in not knowing what to expect, and I and I out of a couple of maybe inside stuff here, really. Everybody who happens to listen to Jim Cornette's podcast, he is anti AEW, and he always says he says they're going to be out of business in April, and he says that Tony just a jock sniffer, and you know, said ter- <laughs> he says terrible stuff. Now, would you you might if you felt that way, you might say that now, but but being 20 years younger, some a billionaire in the wrestling business, would you would you go in a public forum and knock him? You wouldn't do it anyway, that at all. No, no. But, no. but you know, it just makes no sense. And I watched him, and here's Sean. You'll love this. I was shocked. In a way, uh, he just reminded me a little bit. Certainly has a bigger bank account, but I watched him at that show and Cornette says, oh, they're doing whatever they want. And Tony don't know. I saw him last night running around like a crazy person and he was real tense, intense type of guy. And then I saw him giving instructions and this surprised me. I saw him giving instruction to the wrestlers right before they went to the, the main, main event and Sean King can tell you a lot of F words are being said and a lot of profanities being said, said when, when you lay out a match and Russell speak, so, so to speak. But anyway, he went, the F word was every other word and he would, would give instructions just like I would, just like, uh, Waller would, just like anybody, you know, I, I just think, so this is not a money mark that has absolutely no knowledge of wrestling. Big fan. He's a businessman and he's a smart, uh, he's a smart guy. I liked the guy. I thought he was funny and he was gracious and, and I liked the guy. Yeah. He was the same way in the club. 
I mean, he, he very, very knowledgeable about everything that he spoke about and, and uh, you know, a cool guy. But, Sean, you said that you saw somewhere, and I may have said it, that that uh, and just being skeptical like people usually are in this business, somewhere along the line I may have said, hey, they're just doing this to try to draw a house. And in reality, we all know that, you know, you, the three of us have been around the business as long as we have. We all know what the business is like. And the actual true bottom line of it was they did it to help draw a house, you know, to try to, to try to put more people in the building, which is what is going to be good for everybody as far as they're concerned. They wanted it to look really good on TV. They wanted they want to have a, the biggest crowd they can have there. And so that's why they you know, that's why they brought in all these guys. But then, like I said, it turns out good for everybody because the fans like to see the Memphis uh, legends and the guys that they brought in made a payday which was good for them, you know, and it was good for helping put people in the house. But that's, you know, uh, so when, when I said that, you know, I'm just being honest about it. That's just the way that's just the way it was. And I think they would be honest about it, you know, and say, yeah, we're trying to sell tickets because, you know, type of thing. Absolutely. I have a funny Jimmy Vance story <laughs> for you. So so here we go. And the first thing uh, and I think they started this uh, at 630 and at seven o'clock. We're going on there live. Well, they started the segment, the introductions, and they did a great thing of Brian. It was just really good. However, uh, I kind of ramrodded a, a little bit. Brandon did too, but, but I was looking at the time. I'm thinking there's no, they had too many people out there, uh, and they had Justin Roberts, the announcer, with the introduction on everybody, and we weren't going to make that 7 o'clock start time. There was no doubt in my mind. And, you know, the booker, the promoter, the producer in me say, hey, and I say, Brandon, our error doesn't fit with them. Anyway, we're not going to be able to get this done. Let's me, me and you not go out there with the people. Because I did the meeting uh, great, because I knew we wouldn't get it all done. And so the people they really wanted to see, like Valiant and Idol and everybody, they wouldn't be able to, it would be cut short. So when I made the decision not to go go out, I didn't tell any of the AEW people. I just didn't go, right? And, you know, right. I, it was a last-minute decision. And so Valiant heard me say that. And Valiant said, baby, baby, I love you. I love you. He said, you ain't going? You're not going? I said, said, no, handsome, I'm not going. And he had a bag that he was going to take out. He draped it all, He draped it over my shoulder. And then he said, now, put your arm down where nobody can grab it from you. He said, brother, brother, my life savings, everything I got, my life savings in that bag. Will you watch it for me? And when I come back, grab it from you. And I'm out the door, baby. I'm out the door. Oh, my oh. gosh. That's so handsome, isn't it? That is oh, so Jimmy. So, so classic. The other thing I would like to say, and this thrilled me to death, too, in another company. Lance Russell and Dave Brown, our friends and, and the greatest wrestling. No offense, King. I know you and you and Jim Ross are my second favorite of all time. I don't think I'll insult you by saying Lance Russell and Dave Brown's my very favorite. Right. No doubt. And then I was thrilled to death and Shane Russell he had tears in his eyes at times for Lance in front of a pretty good crowd and that type of thing, that just meant a lot to him. And Dave started doing wrestling in 67, started in broadcasting in 62 as a teenager in high school as a radio disc jockey. As far as I know, and I think I heard Dave say this, he had never done 
old national television gig either. And I don't know if right. you watched the show, King, and I didn't hear the audio, but today, even that opening match to be with Tony, and especially JR, just the thought of it gave me chills. Did you see that, and did it give you chills, too, to see Dave Brown on that national level, TNT Network? Yeah, I did see I did see the part, the match, because they told me that Dave was going to, you know, get to, JR told me that Dave was going to get to be a part of the first match. And, yeah, I just, uh, I, it was, it was just really cool and really proud of the fact that, like you said, after all this time, here was Dave Brown on a national, uh, you know, on a national broadcast. I related that story to uh, Jr. The fact that Lance Russell told me that the biggest, one of the biggest thrills that he ever had after all of the years of him doing wrestling and being in the business was when uh, he came uh, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, to a Monday Night Raw. I don't know if it was Monday Night Raw or a SmackDown show at the FedEx Forum. And got to meet um, got to meet Vince McMahon, and then Vince had him go out in front of the you know the whole crowd on Monday Night Raw. I think it was Monday Night Raw, and and get you know get recognized, and that was like the biggest thrill of his life. So I know that was great for Dave, and I was proud of him and and happy for him. And of course, like you said, for Shane uh, Shane Russell to be there and be a part of that. They just it just like you said when they showed. And that, that's one of the pe- reason I asked people, I said, well, wait a minute, was Randy actually there? Because they just quickly panned across, uh, you know, the, the legends and everything. And, of course, who's standing right there in front of him? Goofball Kevin, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, like, blocking the camera, blocking all the, everybody over. But he's he's standing right in front. He did look like a teenager, though, standing in front of those other guys. <laughs> <laughs> for, for sure. Kevin yelled at me, not in a ribbon type, type ribbon on a square type, type, type of thing. I said, hey, Ke- Kevin, see – See you here. I hope you have fun and enjoy it. And he said, "said Yeah, after you kayfabe me, and I did kayfabe it. You know, I, I was kind of sensitive to. And, and you explained the factors. Uh, you know, WWE doesn't wor- worry about it, but I did not suggest his uh, name. And I, I, I was just. But they came up with the probably Tony Khan said, "Well, we can't have Jerry Lawler, and we want to tribute Brian." And it might have been Jr. that suggested Kevin. I don't know. Well, to be honest with you, I think it was Kevin that suggested. Kevin. Kevin. I know he did. I think Kevin called them and said, "Hey, don't you think you should have me there to represent Brian?" Are you ribbon or are you serious? No, I think I'm dead serious. I think he did. Oh. Right. <laughs> but he called me and asked me about it, and I said, "I don't care. That's okay. Whatever you want to do, you know." But I think he had a a real good time. And one, uh, I tell you, another th- person that I saw last night that just showed showed up uh, was Porkchop Cash showed up, and he was there. Oh my gosh. Did they let him talk to the people and and be a part of the meet and greet or anything? No, we didn't. He came in later. Meet, Where's Porkchop living now? Somebody told me. I think it was Doug said he was living in Jackson, Mississippi. So I don't, I don't know if he's looking for a job or not. You know how it is. Some people probably shouldn't uh, say this. And Ken, you know, I'm sure I hadn't watched much of TNA wrestling. But Cowboy James Storm. Do you know who that is, King? Uh, did he wrestle for NWA or something, or what did he? Oh, oh yeah, he's kind of still <clears throat> wrestling. He, yeah. He's wrestling for them now. He's been around a little bit, but he that NWA thing's like three or four shots every two or three months. You know, it's not yeah. much to it. And he was there, and he's dressed up in a suit and all that sort sort of thing. And I saw a couple of people. Well, that's just the way it is. How many people showed up? That's how you got Kamala. We wouldn't use him, and we were in a bind, and and you saw him, right? And and that, that's how you found Dream Machine, correct? Yeah, exactly right, yep. 
A lot of guys just happen to be in the right place at the right time. All right, King, this was fun, and uh, hope everybody listens to my podcast, and uh, you hear a lot of Jerry Lawler stuff, and you'll obviously hear a career on that show, too. Let's do a plug while you're still here. We It's the, the Memphis Memories podcast that Randy Hales and I do every week that can be found uh, wherever you see podcasts. And also, we want to talk about RandyHalesMemphisWrestling.com, where you can buy your Power Pro Wrestling DVDs, the entire collection, things like the Jim Cornette collection, or just buying it by uh, month, year, things like that as well as autographs, pictures, things like that. That's awesome. Appreciate it, guys. You're listening to The Jerry Lawler Show. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to The Jerry Lawler Show. We talked everything that there is to talk about about wrestling. Uh, I did get a chance to, you know, last week we had... uh, it was good response, really good response with having the Bulgarian brute Rusev on the show. Uh, and he really enjoyed being on it. He came to me, made a point to come to me at uh, Raw Monday night and just say, you know, how much he enjoyed being on. And, and said, man, I'll come on anytime you guys want me on there. So and we got a good response of him being on, didn't we? Oh, yeah. People. He's he's hilarious. And I think you can see why. He made something as ridiculous as Rusev Day work and get over it because he has just a natural charisma and likability about him. And I asked this, I asked him, and he said he thought he could make it work, but I needed to ask you, would there be a possibility, I don't know how this Skype works and how many people we can hook into a group conversation, like a conference call, but I would love to get, and he said he's up for it, I would love to get Rusev and Lana on the podcast can we can we get three people? I mean, you know, could we get the both of them to call in and be on as well with us? I think we can. Would this be the podcast version of you and Dundee before that loser leaves town in '83? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it be. Well, I mean, you know, we'll get them to talk a little bit about get us up to date. I I still never did hear the two of them say I do. So I don't know where, where we are on the on the wedding thing and everything. But it was uh, it was another you know the the wedding itself got huge uh, huge response huge social media response and huge ratings too. So uh, it was, even though a lot of people on social media uh, weren't crazy about it, a lot of people watched it and a lot of people were talking. About it. The last I saw was like over 3 million YouTube views. I don't know where it is now. Uh, it's doing well. And uh, we got a match next week, right? Coming up. Yeah, some kind of match. Yeah, we don't want to spoil exactly what it's going to be, but it's it's going to be good. Did you notice? Did you watch the show? Did you watch Raw Monday night? I did. Did you see the part where uh, I, I was totally taken off, off guard and the first segment had no idea that Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar were going to come and walk past us walking off the stage instead oh, really? of going back to the gorilla position. No, we're sitting there. We're looking. You know, we have to stand up. We have to do what they call a reverse on camera. And so we're just standing there looking right into the camera. So at that point, we can't see what's going on on the monitors. So all we can see is nothing. We can just see the cameras and we just assume that they're, you know, they're seeing us and everything. And all of a sudden, I feel this hand on my shoulder and I'm like, what the heck? And it's Brock Lesnar. And he He's just kind of brushing aside, and he's walking past me. And then I look over to my right, and there's there, of course, is uh, Paul Heyman. And, you know, he said, come on, come on, King, talk nice about me, talk nice. <laughs> and, I mean, that was just totally off the top of his head, and I had no idea they were going to be there. So I, don't, I saw a picture on Twitter that somebody put up, and you could tell from my facial expression that I had no idea that was about to happen. But it was a, it was a cool show. 
seeing you and Paul Heyman side by side on TV again just brought back memories of the the cage match and the the hair shaving in '87 with Idol and Rich. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what somebody said that it was so really weird to start off 2020 seeing the two of us standing next to each other, but uh, it was it was something else, man. It was it's been it, that it was type of week. Yes, it has been. You're right. Well, do we have anything else we need to talk about? I, I think we've exhausted it all. We got uh, Saturday night coming up. Yes, that's going to be good, and that uh, that will be fun. So we want to invite everybody for that, and we'll see everybody back here next week. All right. Thanks so much. We'll be back. Thanks, Sean. What's happening, everybody? This is the official Lakers podcast. I'm your host, Mike Trudell. Super pumped to be here, flanked by Aaron Larsoul. You ready to go? I'm ready to go. Let's, Let's get, get it. I think the Lakers will be a top 10 defense. Okay, now, you're calling your shot again. A team that has two stars or two superstars in this case, as LeBron and AD, can sometimes cancel each other out. But I think they're both good candidates for MVP. I really like the way that this team just feels to be around. Mm-hmm. The uh, it's a it's a very clear message. It's two stars in LeBron and AD, and it's everybody else that's on board. The relationship that is developing between those two, off the court and on the court, their cohesiveness on the court. I think in this case, this is a special case that the two of them will enhance each other as opposed to taking away from each other. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Ah!